Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. Your boy Pat Lane, as always, here with my guy Matt St. Jean. And as always, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official wagering partner of CLNS Media. You got to go to fanduel.com slash Boston to sign up today. Matt, it is Dolphins week, which is exciting. But I think the most exciting part of it is that we're coming off of a win against the Bills. And, you know, we had talked about going into this week, going into these two weeks that we really had no chance to win either, either of these games. The Patriots have already won one of them. And so as improbable as a win against the Dolphins may seem, it's at least possible. I didn't think they were going to win last week. And so, you know, you never know. It's got a little bit more juice than it did a week ago right now, the whole feeling in New England uh, in that locker room. And you're going against Miami team that you played close the first time. That is very banged up right mm-hmm. now. Injured worse than the Patriots. Uh, they're they're in bad shape over there in Miami, which we're going to have to get into during this. And the Patriots have a chance to kind of rectify the, the two bad losses that we saw. It was the, the Dallas loss and the Saints loss. The way they happened were what kind of shut this season down entirely. If you win last week like they did, and you win this week, then you're kind of at a net zero there, which is still... You know, not as not as good as I think we were hoping for from this group, but it shows there's life and it shows there's something something possibly to build off here. And the schedule gets a lot easier and you see what happens. So uh, we thought the season was broken. We've got a little bit of a pulse this Sunday in South Beach. We're going to find out if there's a heartbeat, (laughs) full on strong heartbeat. Yep. And I think you're totally right. And that's, you know, look, I mean, and Dr. Google is asking about Tyreek being banged up. Like, I think. You mentioned it. They're banged up. Like Raheem Moser didn't practice today. Tyreek Hill didn't practice today. Uh, they just put um, Isaiah Wynn on IR. So there's there's all these injuries that they're dealing with, and the Patriots are healthier than they've been in a while. Now, again, they still have a ton of guys injured, um, but they're healthier than they've been in a while. This guy over here, over my left shoulder, uh, Ty, uh, Ty, Troy Brown, kind of a unofficially announced that Marcus Jones was out for the season. Uh, I had heard some kind of rumblings about that, was hoping it wasn't true, but it does seem that he is done for the year, ironically enough, with the exact same injury that Christian Gonzalez has too. So um, both of those guys out with torn labrums for the year. And so, you know, they're certainly not healthy but they're healthier, right? They got both of their starting guards are healthy. And on when who put, of course, played tackle last week. And then, you know, um, and John Jones is back and Jack Jones is back. And so 
you know, they're they're trending in the right direction, the Patriots are, whereas Miami seems to be going the other way, health-wise, at least. You know? So you cut so, out for a sec there, but yeah. Oh, did I? Now, Sorry. Uh, I, think that, I think that was on, on my end. But yeah, should we get into this Dolphins injury report real quick? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so I think the, the headline here, uh, which I didn't think we didn't think was going to be the headline as of this morning, um, was Tyreek Hill out of practice today, hip injury going on there. Mm-hmm. And that's the number one player on this entire Miami roster. This is the guy who makes the offense work. Yeah, McDaniel, Mike McDaniel, not taking credit away from him for what he does as a, a play caller leading this. Hill's the, the engine that makes this offense go when they're actually on the field. A guy who I think, if the Dolphins keep it up, should probably be in the MVP race just for the impact he has. And if he can't go, that changes the dynamic entirely. Jalen Waddell missed parts of the game Sunday night with um, he had some stuff going on. Back injury, yeah. Be back, yeah, which he practiced. But uh, I think he's expected to play, but he might be playing through some pain. Right. Then you go to the offensive line. Left tackle Teron Armstrong is on on injured reserve. Our old friend Isaiah Wynn left guard. Now he is on injured reserve. And I think Connor Williams, their center, has been out with a groin injury. We'll see if he plays this week. But offensively, Miami is really banged up. Uh, Achan, the running back who broke out against the Broncos, is on injured reserve. And then the defense, Savian Howard's banged up. Jalen Ramsey is practicing, but we don't know if he's going to be ready to go this week. So there's opportunities here for New England. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And so it's going to be really interesting to uh, to kind of see if they can take advantage of that. And obviously, I think the biggest thing, you know, obviously you don't have Christian Gonzalez who you had last time you played them, but you do have Jonathan Jones who you didn't have last time. So that obviously helps. And you didn't have Jack Jones either in that game too. So and JC, yeah. And J.C. Jackson too, right? So, so you have you have really a new look secondary, and the other part of it is that when you look at it, you think, okay, well, our defensive line, of course, you lose Matthew Judon, but the defensive line did a great job pressuring Josh Allen last week, and of course, the front seven with you know blitzing and whatnot as well. But they did a great job pressuring Josh Allen last week, and if they can do the same thing to Tua, now Tua does a great job of getting the ball out quick. But even still, if you can do that to Tua, that changes things as well. And so, you know, with some guys banged up up front, that's that's a big deal for the Patriots. And so you can win defensively in multiple different ways, um, you know, which is great. By the way, before we continue, just just a quick welcome into anyone that was watching uh, the Celtics win their first game of the season in New York against the Knicks. Um, it. Exciting game, I guess. Porzingis looks like the best player ever. Uh, Tatum's still incredible. Jalen Brown, I'm already annoyed at, but you know it is what it is. Uh, so, and then I have on in the background when uh, Webinyama is uh, making his making his NBA debut, and it is. I mean, they've lost their minds. People on NBA, in the uh, on ESPN are going nuts, and he looks pretty damn good. And the Spurs are like already. Spurs have a huge lead already on, on the Mavericks. He's- he is wild. I wonder what he would what what position would he play in the NFL? Right. Put put him oh, he's fast. Put him somewhere in the defensive backfield and just let him fly around and bat down passes. No, dude, you just put him at like tight end or something like that. How are you gonna stop that guy in the goal line? Seriously, how are you gonna stop? Sure. How are you ever gonna and maybe you put him at put him a corner and and you put him at, at wide receiver and it's like, all right, 
once we get into the red zone, you're not going to complete a pass, and and you're not going to stop us. We're just going to complete he's every gonna, pass to you. We'll throw it 15 play, feet in the air, and what are you going to do? He's going to play 40 snaps a game, and they're all going to come in the red zone, <laughs> offense and defense. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, I would love it. I would love it. But no, this uh, this Miami offense, too. If, if Tyreek Hill can't go and Jalen Waddle's banged up, next guy's up. I mean, it's River Craycraft, who was just designated to return, who, I mean, he gave New England's backup corners some, some issues, but that was, you know, Sean Wade and Miles Bryant playing the full mm-hmm. game at outside corner last time, or the second half at outside corner last time and having some issues there. It's going to be better players out there. And if River Craycraft is your wide receiver, too, Chase Claypool might be getting some some real time Dinks. in this one, and if you can, I mean, if you can take away to his number one option and make him hesitate on it, yep, you're gonna you're gonna be able to do some stuff. And the line's banged up. Put Christian Barmore right over that left guard who's who's in there replacing Isaiah Wynn and let him go to work. I think you do that. You shut down the top option, and you can really really make it life difficult for this Miami passing attack. The question is, I think the running game for them because that's how they've been able to make a lot of this work too. Oh, for sure. But then, you know, as you mentioned, a chain is out or a chain or however you want. I think it's a chain. It's more fun to say a chain. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and most are mispractice today. So listen, we've done all this hand rain. We've done all this talking. And I think most just more than likely going to play. And I think Tyreek Hill's more than likely going to play. So like, uh, you know, we talk about all of this stuff, but at the, at the end of the day, I'm like, well, those guys are probably going to play anyways. You know, they, yeah, maybe they didn't practice on Wednesday. They're going to figure it out, right? And and they said, well, it's more of a, you know, it didn't sound good, right? What, when Tua was talking about Tyreek today, it didn't sound good, right? It sounded like, hey, you know, he, he, whenever he's out there, we'll, we'll be ready for him. And it's like, well, that doesn't sound great. Like, you know, and so, again, that doesn't mean that, and maybe he's just talking about today he's not playing and he, he'll be available tomorrow. But it just sounded weird um, yeah. when he said that yeah. today. And, of course, Mostert missed practice too. And Mostert's a guy who just in his career is just consistently injured. And so, yeah. you know, of course you look at that and say, well, this could be a situation where both of those guys miss time. And if that's the case, it, it's a big, you know, it's a big boost to the Patriots. I just don't – I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. Yeah. Well, and I think – I mean, you're hoping that you get the injury lock here if you're in New England. You got real, real rough injury lock in the first meeting. And mm-hmm. it's if it's flipped here, and if these guys are out from Miami, you gotta find a way to take advantage. If you can't if you can't beat a Miami team that is hypothetically down Tyreek Hill, the entire left side of the offensive line and the top running back, uh Yeah, you're not then, gonna win many games. Yeah, and I know, I know the Patriots are banged up. Again, it's football. Miami's more banged up. This is the game where you're supposed to take advantage of that. And, you know, you win this game. That's three AFC East wins. You've already clinched at least a 500 record in the division. And that's still with a home game against the presumably still Aaron Rodgers list Jets in the last week of the season there to get you to four. They have the game up in Buffalo too, which I think would be tougher. I think we can talk about the offense because I think that they might have a hard, harder time there, but, um, uh, even if Tyreek Hill plays, I don't think he's going to be 100%. It's clear Jalen Waddle isn't playing at 100%. If Connor Williams can go at center for Miami, he's not going to beat 100% with that groin injury. This is where you take advantage. And right. I thought the defense figured some stuff out in the second half, too. And I think if you can apply some of the lessons that they learned with more effective players out there. 
We saw right. a lot of soft zone. You want to mix that in. It'll confuse Tua. It'll he might throw some picks out of it. It's gonna get their offense second guessing. You can mix in a little bit more man coverage because Jonathan Jones is in there and Jay-Z Jackson's in there and Jack Jones is in there, and they're all very good at man coverage. And that'll allow you to mix up your defenses into more different kinds of looks, not just different zones like in week two, but different man and zone coverages. Still bring your blitzes and right. this might be the, the lowest scoring game you get from Miami this year if you execute. Yeah, 100%. Well, and again, it, it comes down to health, right? They are so good because they have the playmakers. And of course you have Mike McDaniel, right? But like Bill Belichick says it all the time. The players play the game. I don't care what the scheme is. The players play the game. And so, like, you know, if you don't have all of those great playmakers, all of a sudden your offense, which looks unstoppable, isn't going to be as unstoppable because you don't have the same guys out there running it, right? And so that's really the thing to remember is that, of course, right, of course we can look at it and say, oh, yeah, you know, that, you know, they're good and they're a great offense and this and that. Well, if they're out their top three playmakers, really their top four playmakers, then, you know, like their offense clearly isn't going to be as good, right? And so, but again, we're we're sitting here talking about this when we spent the first few minutes talking about, you know, the Dolphins injuries and, and the injury problems that they have. And again, I still think it's likely that all of these guys play, I mean, obviously A-Chain's not playing, but like, I feel like it's likely that Mostert, Hill, and Waddle all play on Sunday. Now, are there varying degrees of health that they'll be in, right? Is there a chance that, They'll be a little bit banged up and a little bit slower than it's possible, but at this point on Wednesday night at ten o'clock at ten o'clock Eastern, I'm not concerned about them playing on Sunday. I feel like I feel pretty confident that they're all going to play on Sunday, and then you know we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, and that's if they do play, we get that you know these guys are out there. Level of health is kind of to be determined. I still like this matchup for New England because we already know the left tackle and left guard are out. I think the Patriots should be able to have their way with this offensive line Miami's putting out there. It's not a great unit. Christian Barmore has looked electric the last couple of weeks. He'll be a big part. Josh Uche back at practice today just gives you another edge guy you yeah. can put in the rotation. And, and we know how the Patriots like to bring the blitzes, and we're seeing some of that cover zero stuff again this year, which I love to watch. And I, I think they have the guys to execute it, even if Miami is as healthy as they can be for this game. Jonathan right. Jones on Tyree Kill is a really good matchup for New England relative to you know anybody that can match up on Tyree Kill. And then you let the rest of the matchups fall where they where they may after that, which last week I thought it was interesting. We saw Miles Bryant play basically the whole game in the slot there. And they rotated the three outside corners with J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, Jack Jones. I wonder if we see the same thing or if we see Jonathan Jones follow Tyreek Hill wherever he goes. And then J.C. and Jack might play on the outside and, you know, match up however. I think there's a couple ways you could do it. But I, I like I like this matchup for New England, even if Miami is healthy defensively. Offense is a different story. But defense, I, I like what, what, we, what we're seeing. Right. I agree. And that's, and ultimately I think that that's really what it comes down to for the Patriots is that, um, you know, it is going to, it is going to revolve around health, but I do, I, I think I, you're not wrong. You're not wrong by the way, that I think they have some of the horses to match up. Now, again, are they going to be, 
are they going to like stuff Miami? No, I don't think. No, I think that's a little silly to think that. But I do think that they have the horses to stay with them a little bit. Did did Keon White practice today? He was the only Patriot not to practice today. Okay, so I, you know, he he had a concussion last week. This happened to Roshan Johnson um, in Chicago. Roshan Johnson was out one week. And matter of fact, I heard on a Thursday night, missed that, missed the next game, and then missed the game after that too, um, which was surprising. So I don't know, you know, maybe Keon White will, will you know, clear concussion concussion protocol before tomorrow and practice, you know, on Thursday. I don't know, but um, but we have seen this happen with a few with a few different guys. I will say, and P two is right here. Right now, the Vegas odds is Miami nine and a half. Right, I mean, those are a lot of points. It's a lot of points, and I know the Patriots. I know that the Patriots did played a really good game against Buffalo. Um, I thought they played a, a solid game against Buffalo, as solid of a game as as you would hope for them to play. Um, but you know, this Miami offense is really good. Now, I do think if the Tyree Kill stuff was legitimate and like re- not legitimate, but like if there was real concern that he was going to miss the game. I think you would have seen that line kind of drop a bit, and it hasn't yeah. yet. Yeah. Now, it could drop yeah. tomorrow, but it hasn't dropped yet. So I think that line's going to be very telling. If they're concerned that Tyreek and or most are less so, but certainly Tyreek, if they're concerned that Tyreek isn't going to play, I think you see that line drop, um, maybe not significantly, but certainly by at least a few points because they're not going to be as explosive as an offense. No, I fully agree. So we'll we'll see how this develops. But the other part, I mean, the, this is a defense, I think, that can hold Miami under 20 points. They held them to, I think, was it 24 up in? 24 25? last time, yep. yep. Yeah, up in, up in New England. Mm-hmm. And they, Miami's been held under that twice. I think New England's offensive defensive personnel is slightly better than it was probably than it was in that game, especially at corner. And Miami's offensive personnel was going to be worse just because of the status of the line. Right. So and I think you can hold them to less, but you can hold Miami to 17 points or 20 points and still lose this game by 100%. 10. Yep. All you have to do is go back to last year's season opener. The The defense holds Miami to 13 points, but you lose 20 to 7. Because you give up a defensive score, right? One big play touchdown, and that's that's basically it, right there. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true, and I think too, like, you know, it's that's the frustrating part about this is that we can talk all about the Patriots defense and how the Patriots defense is playing against Miami and so on and so forth. And by the way, I'd push back on that and say that the Patriots defense is not better than it was in Week Two, because in my opinion, you lost your two best defensive players in you know, uh, Matthew Judon and, and Christian Gonzalez. So I know you have John Jones and Jack Jones back. You have JC Jackson on the team who wasn't there, of course. Um, you know, and I think, I think that we've seen some guys in the front seven come into their own, right? Anthony Jennings, who was a healthy scratch the first two games of the season has looked really, really good on the edge. Um, and so I think that that's a good thing. But it doesn't replace Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez, right? So I think you could say that the Patriots defense is close to what it was, but I think it's tough to make the argument that they're better than they were in week two without those two studs, you know? Well, well, and that's, I mean, it, it, week two also involved guys getting hurt during the game. It's probably sure. worse than they were at the start of the game, better than they were by the end of the game. It's tough okay. to. Fair enough. 
Yeah, yeah. and well, that was kind of one of the issues. But they also held Miami to seven points in the second half with yeah. that weakened secondary out there, which, I mean, I think it goes to show that um, sometimes it's not all in, on defense. It's not always about how good your individual players are. It's about how they play as a unit, especially yep. against an offense like Miami's. It's based on timing. It's based on quickness. It's based on misdirection. If you have guys that play as a unit and guys that are able to execute their assignments well and it's called correctly, you can have some pretty mediocre players out there and cause some havoc because a lot of the work comes in practice. It comes with the scouting. It comes with the tendencies. It comes with being able to know what Miami wants to do and get in like the passing lanes. Like you don't have to be as fast as Tyreek Hill to sit underneath him on a hitch if that's where they want the ball to go or on a slant or whatever. You have to just be in that spot. Right, 100%. You know, and a great example of this is the touchdown that he scored last week, right? Like they Philadelphia double teamed him. They bracket coveraged him and the safety just fell asleep instead of staying deep because like it's Tyreek Hill. He's really fast. So, like, you have over-the-top coverage. The only thing you can't do is get beat deep. <laughs> and Tyreek Hill just ran right by him because he allowed it to happen. He allowed him to gain ground on him. And, you know, he didn't get back far enough. You got to get way back before, you know, before that ball is snapped if you're going to bracket coverage him like that. So, yeah. you know, that just becomes one of those things where it's like, hey, we know a lot of guys can't run with Tyreek Hill. Almost no one can run with Tyreek Hill stride for stride. But you have to use, you know, math, right? Yeah. You have to use geometry to your to your benefit, right? Use the angles and try to figure out pursuit angles and try to figure out, okay, I'm going to give him extra space, mm-hmm. right, so that I can go from there. So those are the things that have to happen. Um, and yeah. so you know, it's just it's being yeah. smart and not and not making stupid mistakes like that. And then. The flip side of it too it's not just the coverage it's can you can you play the coverage just well enough that Tua hitches for a second which allows the pressure to get there a little bit and Tua still gets the throw off but he can't fit it into the window that is there to Tyreek but small right uh, which is something we saw all game last week you go through the tape and it's actually really funny the Bills had open wide receivers all over the field on a lot of yeah. those plays but it was the coverage and the pass rush working together where, all right, Josh Allen can't can't get it where he wants the ball to go because he's got a guy bearing down on him. Or yeah. he has to make a throw while under pressure and he just misses it. Or you're, just, you're, you're basically betting on a guy having to make an off-platform throw or throw on the run or throw with a guy in his face into a smaller window. And sometimes they hit it. And, you know, you tip your cap and you move on to the yeah. next play. But you're betting that if you give them eight opportunities in a game they missed six of them and maybe one yeah. of them turned into a pick right 100 percent. and that's you know i think that's all you could do i mean it, it is funny you did definitely see a bad josh allen game i mean dan orlovsky went over a little bit on espn but like there were so many times when the patriots blitzed and there was a free guy there was just like a hot route and he just didn't throw it to him because he wanted to he wanted to pick up 20 yards on the play instead of picking up five yards on the play. It's like, sometimes dude, just take the five yards. It's a free five yards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so and the Patriots will give you that, that stuff from time to time and they'll give it to you a decent amount. This is the only thing that scares me about Tua is that he's okay. Taking that he's fine with the check down. You're going to blitz him. He'll just dump it off of the hot route. 
he, he doesn't mind a six yard gain, right? And so, and eventually he keeps killing with those six yard, six yard, six yard, six yard. Next thing you know, they go over the top of Tyreek Hill, and now you're in trouble. And he's also accurate enough to yes. hit it every right. single time. You, That's correct. You are rarely seeing, like, Josh Allen had some throws where, and it was funny because he was bad Josh Allen on Sunday, but he was also good Josh Allen at the same yes. time. It was this really weird mix where he was almost at his best as a playmaker in a lot of ways. And I thought he read New England's defense really, really, really well. And his accuracy kept failing him over and over trying yeah. to make the actual throws down the field. Yeah. And he was doing that even though he had some clean pockets at points or, you know, he's on the run, but it's a throw he can make. Tua, if he's in the pocket and his feet are there, he's almost never missing the throw, which means if you want him to miss a throw, you got to hit him. you got to disrupt the pocket. He's He can he can run on you. He's not immobile or anything, but you want to get that interior pressure. I think I think Barmore is going to be a huge, huge part of the game plan here for New England. You know, get the edge rushers to contain a little bit, get Barmore and whoever on the inside to, to push as hard as they can and collapse yeah. that pocket. You know, make this make life miserable for Tua. Yeah, he was a beast last week. And if he keeps that up, I mean, he's he's on right now. He's on Pro Bowl pace. And I know that it's not the stats aren't necessarily there. But if you're watching the game, and I guess Pro Bowl pace isn't right because the fans are stupid and they won't vote for guys that don't have the counting numbers. right. But like when you watch him play. You're, you can see how much of an impact he has. I mean, he didn't have a sack. Well, I guess he did. Did he have a half a sack in the Bills? Did they give him a half a sack or a full sack on that sack of Josh Allen? I, I don't, I don't half, remember. Half a sack, I'm pretty sure. Probably a half, right? So he had finished with a half a sack, but he had, what, five, six, seven, maybe it was only, maybe it was five, QB pressures and hurries. And, like, you know, he, he, he made Josh Allen move out of the pocket a ton of times. So – he was he was very very good on Sunday, and he's been very good. Um, you know, really, certainly over the past few weeks, and he's been pretty good all year. He, he was didn't start out super healthy, but now he's healthy, and uh, and he's kind of ready to go, and, and he's looked great. And that this is the guy that we thought we were getting. We're like, all right, here we go. Now we're in a similar situation. Him and Josh Uche. Now Uche, I know, is up at the end of the year, but Barmore's up at the end of next year. What are you going to do? Are you going to give him a contract extension? I think they should. They have been looking. Here's the thing about the Patriots. They've been looking for interior pass rush forever. Like forever. They drafted Dominique Easley in the first round for God's sakes because they didn't, they like never had interior pass rush and they wanted, they just wanted to take a flyer on interior pass rush. Now you have a guy that can actually rush the passer from the inside you can't give that guy up. You have to pay him, in my opinion. Oh, oh, yeah. It's the only reason you're not like it's if it's like any off field stuff with Barmore, if it's injury right. stuff, the issues for him have never been correct on field play, though. And he's put it, I mean, he's he's put it together as a run defender now, too. He's really good there. The Patriots have noticed have used him as nose tackles in some running situations, which I think is really interesting because he doesn't quite have that typical size that you would expect from a guy. But he's so powerful that it doesn't matter. He's not like, I don't know, it's, it's almost like it's not the same exactly, but it's almost like a Richard Seymour-like guy, yeah. but putting him at nose tackle because he's so strong that in some situations he can he can handle it. So he's remarkable. I also, the, the guy who's going to be presumably replacing Isaiah Wynn, uh, Lester Cotton, drafted in 2019 by the Raiders out of Alabama, 
drafted by the Raiders, so I need to. He has a PFF grade of 43 this year, including a pass blocking grade of 20.5. Yeah. He was not, yeah, he was not good in relief last week. He has not been good when he played. You know, we saw it it last week, Barmore just dominating a lesser guard at points. I think anytime you think the Dolphins are passing, you are going to line Barmore up right over this dude, right over him. And, you know, put put three guys on that side so that it has to be a one-on-one matchup for Barmore with the guard and let him go to town. And I think you're going to get a lot of good results from those matchups. It's just, you know, being consistent enough in the early downs that you can force Miami into situations where you know they're going to pass. 100%. And, I mean, the guy the guy Barmore went up against the most was Osiris Torrance last year, and he was he's a rookie, second-round draft pick, yeah, out of Florida, highly talented. And a lot and, of people liked, yeah. Yep, and Barmore just absolutely ate his lunch all day long. And, you know, he's a rookie, so, you know, he might come along, but, like, my goodness, he abused him. And so it. if he did that to this guy and this guy's worse – you know, it's it's a good sign moving forward. Now, again, he has shown flashy. He has been very inconsistent over his career. So I'd like to see him be more consistent and put together long strings of games as opposed to just, you know, a few games here and there. So I'm not going to get my hopes up yet and talk about how he's like the greatest player ever. But if he can start stringing together some games um, like this one, you know, especially against inferior competition on the offensive line, that's where you can really see him uh, kind of take the next step. And I think the the other part this leads to, you got a timing-based passing offense. You can get pass rush on it. Mm-hmm. Same thing back in that 0-1 Super Bowl against the Rams. You do mm-hmm. it with a ball-hawking secondary. You're going to have a quarterback who's throwing the ball to spots on the field without seeing because he's trusting his receivers will be there. And if right. you scout it right, and you get one of those plays in a game where it's your corner there, it's Jack Jones or JC or whoever it is. Miles Bryant, it can be anybody because it's going to be a lot of Tua just trying to get the ball out to a spot on the field. You can get a guy to the right spot, and he's just hurrying to get the ball out, not looking because of the pressure. That's how you get picks. That's how you get pick sixes. This is a Patriots defense. It still doesn't have a defensive touchdown, which after what we saw last year is crazy. And yeah, this is, you know, we're going to have a couple of these games coming up. You get Washington, a team with an awful offensive line, a quarterback that throws the ball into traffic. You're going to have chances for defensive scores. Same with Gardner Minshew and Indy. Yep. Um, and you know, Daniel Jones and that Giants offensive line. So you're going to have a lot of opportunities here for the defense to to make something happen. But this is a game that could be close. And you get a defensive score on Sunday down in South Beach. That could swing the game in a hurry and make life a lot easier on the offensive side of the ball. 100%. 100%. We're going to go to a break, but I will say one thing I wanted to add just, just before we go to break here and kind of sparked my my memory when you said that they hadn't scored a defensive touchdown yet. On Sunday, for those of you that don't know, on Sunday was the first time in Max's career that he's won a game when the opposing team scores more than 24 points. He did win a game his rookie year when the other team scored 24 it was the first time he's ever won a game when the opposing team scores more than 24 points. It was his second career fourth quarter comeback. And it was the first points. The Patriots scored their first points of turnovers for the entire season this year. They had scored, I think I think the number was 117. They scored 117 points off of turnovers last year. And they finally scored their first, and it was seven, but they finally scored their first points off of turnovers this year. That's, it's very unpatriot-like to not, be able to do that and so that was a step in the right direction to see them do that was great of course the comeback 
was awesome. Um, but you know, it's, it's getting on the right track. It's scoring points off of turnovers, forcing bad plays, and then capitalizing when those bad plays happen. So, you know, and there's some luck involved obviously too, but you know, you, you have to, you have to make the plays when they're there. Sometimes just knocking the ball away. It's great, but flip, you know, flip field position as well and make that interception. So, you know, you get Mr. INT out there, you get Jack Jones, who's a ball hawk back out there. And so I think, I think you're going to see more interceptions. Peppers and, and Duggar too. Also playmakers. Yep. We haven't seen Duggar get one of those, one of those plays yet. He's another guy who in certain situations he's likes to up lurk. A down year. I feel like he's had an up and yeah. down year this year. He's, I love Duggar and I'm all in on keeping him, but he is way more inconsistent from snap to snap than I think you would expect if you just watch the highlights. He's yeah. not bad. He's a good player, but he doesn't, he's not, he's not like Rodney, he doesn't have a Rodney Harrison motor out there. <laughs> right. That's for sure. That's it's a high bar. But then again, I was gonna say then again, not many guys. No, very few do. <laughs> so, but all right, let's go. Let's hit a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll kind of get into a little bit more specifics of the Miami game, um, and uh, and we'll go from there. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. That's two hundred dollars in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over/unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com/Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Ages 21 and up in present Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so, um, okay, you, I, I can't, I just can't even with you, but before I'm gonna, I'm gonna segue into it with the 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 quote of the night here from Patriots, on Patriots in Christ. Can we leave Devonte Parker in Miami? Matt wants to defend Devonte Parker, which just a little should bit. be really easy because defenders all across the league have been doing it easily this year. Yeah, this is this is a relative defense from Devontae Parker. And I'm going to I'm going to start this off by saying that if somebody offers you anything for Parker in a trade, I think you're jumping at it here just to get out of that contract. Yeah, that said, if you're not able to trade him, you know, I think he should be active on game days. I think he should be involved in the offense as a depth option. Uh, We saw a lot of Jalen Rager. On Sunday, a guy who I'm assuming we're at some point tonight, we're going to talk about the shuffling of the roster we've seen the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Kind of feels like Rager is about to get signed to the active roster at some point between now and Sunday because if he's going to play, he has to be. Yep. I think Rager has a role on this team on game day. I think Devontae Parker does too. He knows the situational stuff, but um, he I think he wins his routes a little bit more consistently than Rager does. Rager I mean, has been a bad receiver throughout his whole career. Right. Um, whoever it is at that spot is going to be a guy who isn't asked to do much. They're playing this whole thing in the middle of the field. <laughs> this whole offense is built like that. And anything on the outside has been outbreaking routes. So they're using whoever's outside as a clear out. Rager is faster. The issue for him is he gets caught up 
he gets jammed sometimes. Parker doesn't really get caught up on those as much. He's better getting his way through them. He's not super fast. But what I did notice, he was out there for New England's two-minute drive at the end of the game, the game-winning drive. He looked good on really every snap of that. He executed well on every snap of it. And that pass to Demario Douglas that got them down within the one-yard line there, right that set up that sequence. Uh, it wasn't This wasn't like a bad read by Mac or anything, but Devontae Parker was actually wide open in the end zone on the backside of the play with what they were doing. And that's one of those, like he, he showed just a little bit more ability to consistently separate than Rager did. He offers something different. I think going forward, you're going to use a rotation of those two guys out mm-hmm. there as the X, because I don't, I don't think you're taking Bourne or Douglas off the field too much, but somebody has to be the X receiver. And Parker is probably the best at that role on the team. It's a slim margin, but he's still probably the best guy on the on the team. And yeah. the other thing I'll say is this. he's He had that awful drop in response to it, but it's been a couple weeks. He hasn't always been that guy. And at some point, if he's going to be on the field, you got to give him another chance. I don't think he's going to drop every big play his way. Maybe he does, but I think he's had enough experience that – some point he will get another shot in here, and we'll see what happens. Now, if if it, if it happens again, if he's dropping another one, then then it's a different story. But right now, it's one big drop, and it's one contested catch pick to a guy who's had his number in Miami, who might not even be playing this week, and Xavier Howard. So, yeah. Parker's not an All Pro or anything, but he's experienced. He's a veteran. He knows the system. He knows the offense, and he should be out there uh, if you're going to have you know somebody playing that role in the offense. I like it. I like it. A, a, a knowledgeable defense of Devontae Parker. <laughs> Again, I he's hate not him. a wide receiver. He's not a wide receiver one, but if no. he's like your wide receiver four, I guess you can live with. I that. guess sure. Why not? I mean, but like, I also think yeah. too that I would love to see Tyquan Thornton get some more run too. The problem is that he can't stay healthy. Number one, and you know, I don't know what he brings to the table. I know he's a deep threat. I know he's a threat. Um, I know he's a threat on like the crossing routes, but you know, it's, that's the issue for me is that he's just not, he's not really a threat in what you do right now. He can't do the things that they asked Devontae Parker to do. That's not what he does. He can't be pressed at all. So he kind of has to be a slot guy. And I think Demario Douglas is a better route runner and I don't think it's that close. That's correct. Yes. And he has more, he has more quickness than then I know Thornton obviously has a ton of speed, Fast. but but Douglas has significantly more quickness than Thornton does. Yeah, and I don't know if Thornton's bad, but you know, he doesn't have a great frame. He's not a guy who's going to make the contested catches, so he's basically deep threat only at this point, and there's value there. But you know, they put him on the field for three snaps on Sunday. Yeah, The first snap was a little touch jet pass to him, and... Honestly, like he, he only picked up two yards on it. I don't think it was his fault. Somebody whiffed a block, a lead block on it, and he was yes. put in a tough spot. The next time he was on the field, they went play action, and it was he and Rager as the only two receivers, and had everybody else in to protect. And they both got the defense read that it was a deep shot. They were both covered. It wasn't their fault. They tried to dump it off in the flat, and there was a miscommunication between Mac and Zeke. And then the third play was a catch by Demario Douglas in the fourth quarter that brought them in before the the Kendrick Bourne touchdown that got them up to 22 points there. Mm -hmm. Uh, They actually ran Hoswai Juke, and they had Thornton as the seam route on the other opposite of Douglas. And 
know, he cleared out. He wasn't going to be open on it because he was capped by the safety in that area of the field. And it's not really his fault, but he's not going to make a contested catch on it. So he's never going to get the ball thrown to him there. Right. I think the, the warning signs started to go off for me today, really, when you see him at practice and they're mixing him in on special teams, yeah, a guy who's never played special teams, because that screams – like they don't think this guy is good enough to be active on game days as a receiver alone. So he needs to be active on special teams. That's usually followed up by this guy isn't good enough to be active on game day. And that's usually followed up by this guy's off the roster. Right. Over however many weeks or months. So, yeah, which is not good. And again, you know, I'll just keep, I'm going to keep saying it. It's not fair to him, but like George Pickens gets taken two picks later. Right, and if anyone that watched that live stream at pick twenty nine, I was screaming, "Please, for the love of God, take George Pickens!" And they took Cole Strange, and then of course they trade up ahead of George Pickens to take Tyquan Thornton, which it's like made zero sense to me at the time. Still makes no sense to me. And what's funny is that you know they take Tyquan at fifty, fifty two is George Pickens, fifty three is Alec Pierce, and fifty four is Sky Moore. Now I think Sky Moore stinks. Alec um, Pierce also has not been that good. This and has been Pierce, really up and down. He has been up and down for sure as well. But he is a kind of a contested catch guy. I don't know. He's been better than Thornton, uh, right. as has Sky Moore. Thornton's yeah. been the worst of the four. Yeah, true. But Sky uh, Moore isn't good. I mean, I think you see what Rasheed Rice does in, in Kansas yeah. City, and he's already passed Sky Moore on the depth chart. He's already significantly better than he is. Um, shout out to uh, who's who's someone in the in the uh, Sco Show slash channel went to, went to SMU. I'm not sure who oh, it was. John, John so Lambrakis. Shout out go. to John Lambrakis. There you go. Legend. But now, and then I think the issue too with, and we can second guess the Pickens thing, but this isn't this isn't like Nikhil Harry versus AJ Brown where it's two equal prospects. Pickens had some, I think, coachability and off field concerns, and it's yeah, he still does. We know, yeah, and we <laughs> know the Patriots are, you know, I mean, every team has their own internal standards for those stuff, yeah. and everybody gets their scouting reports and. I don't think we can really second guess if they got those reports right without knowing the info they had in their standards. Correct. Uh, and also, we don't know what the future looks like for Pickens either. In Obviously, in hindsight, based on play on the field, you're taking George Pickens there, and I think he'd be a great fit on the field for this offense. It's tougher to second guess the actual process the Patriots had, but Thornton, right. uh, well, I mean, I think Alex Pierce probably would have made more sense but I think, based on what we've yeah, seen so far. I think too, like the other part of it is that with a guy like Pickens, I, I relate it back to Dewan Jones, right? Dewan Jones is the guy who had off field issues. And I think he was a guy that maybe wasn't on their, wasn't on their, uh, you know, wasn't on their draft board. I mean, he goes in the fourth round. He went in the fourth round for a reason. He was a beast. He should have gone in the early second round and he didn't because he dropped because of off field character concerns. And I think the Patriots looked at it and said, we're not touching that guy, you know? And so the Browns did, and it's paid off for them so far. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's hard to it's hard to question what they've done there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's so. also, you know, Patriots have taken their gambles, and sometimes you get Kronk, and sometimes you get Hernandez. <laughs> it's, you never really, sometimes you get a Dominique Easley when you're going right. for something like that. Or, I mean, even actively jack jones with the with mm -hmm. the stuff he's had going on yep. so everybody's got their thresholds and their valuations and you know it's i don't know it, it always it always there's always somebody who falls and then ends up looking good and for every one of those there's like six other guys who never played down in the nfl because right. they can't be professional and you never really know 
Correct. Yep. Good point. It's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Simon asked a good question here about uh, why Miami is always such a tough venue for the Patriots over the years. Because you got to remember now, even going back to Brady years, the Patriots always struggled in Miami. I remember that 04 game. That 04 team is one of oh the best teams God. I've ever seen. They might be the best team ever. It might be the best Patriots team ever. <laughs> and, you know, they go into Miami, and Miami's awful. On Monday night, and they get just shellacked by Miami. And it's like what five and eleven hell, Dolphins team, I think. Yeah. Late in the season, you blow what an eleven point lead with four minutes left. It was bad. It was real something yeah. like that. Brady that, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, like throwing the ball behind his head or something like that. Like, just, just getting bad hit. stuff. Yeah, and the only, the only other, the only other loss that team had was one on the road at Pittsburgh in a game without Corey Yellen. Right. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, just weird stuff. As to why they're bad there, I think the heat is a big factor in this. Um, I also think they've kind of had they've had good coaches go through there at different points. Like we saw Nick Saban was there, and he got Belichick a couple times. And they had the Wildcat, which, you know, that happened in New England, but that's the coaching staff that got him on that one. Right. Um, and they've had, they've had a lot of good defensive players in there. You know, Cam Wake was the guy who gave the Patriots offensive line fits for a while and just made all the games between the teams tough. Zach Thomas is a linebacker. Even Xavier Howard, you go back to some of the later Brady years, he was a guy who I remember giving the Patriots some fits there with his press yeah. coverage. So I think it's, I think they've had a knack for having players that are very physical and yep. can, and got to Brady in particular. And then you combine that with heat and, you know, some of these games are early in the season. How many times did they play them in the first month of the season? And yeah, it seems uh, like it. And it's like it's super hot tough. down there and stuff. Yeah. And you also got some of those random games where it's December and you're going down there and it's, it's still 85 degrees and you're going from practicing in a 35 degree weather to playing in 85 degree weather two days later, which is in some ways is almost harder than playing down there in, in September. So yeah, the, the weather is part of it. And then I don't know. Bad luck. The, the the Bills, I don't know. I think the Dolphins have consistently been the second best team in the division over the last 20 years, yeah. probably. And if the Patriots are going to lose some division game, so makes sense that those are going to be the ones they lose. True. That's a good point. And I, I think, you know, there's, there's all sorts of different reasons for it, but I think that's one of them. And Dick mentions the... Uh... The, the women down in Miami, too, which is a possibility, I suppose. But, um, you know, you never know, right? Um, but it does seem like it looks as though um, Jalen Ramsey might play as well, as Mitch just pointed out, uh, that Jalen Ramsey might be playing on Sunday for, for and Miami. And we don't he's, – he's practicing with them. The original timeline they'd get, I think Miami has a bye after this one, and then they go to – Germany and they play there. I think the week before the Patriots do, or two do, weeks before yeah. the Patriots do, something like that. Yeah, the week before. Yeah. I believe the the original timeline was to activate him and let him practice the whole his whole allotment of practice, and then activate him for that trip to Germany. That's what they talked about being their plan. He mm -hmm. might be ahead of schedule and might play this week. He is going to. I think he's going to practice fully this week. Yes, but that does not mean he'll be for sure. Yeah, supposedly, so you know, he's trying to convince the coaches and stuff that he'll be ready to play. So he might be, and he might not be. So we'll kind of see how that, how that goes. But, um, you know, look, I, I think, I think that it's going to be the Patriots have a chance now 
Now, look, the other part of it is that before the Bills game, the Patriots looked awful for three straight weeks. They looked terrible. And really, if you want to include the Jets game, really four straight weeks offensively, they were a complete disaster. Um, and so, you know, does that do, does that team show up again? Or does the team that played against the Bills show up? And I think that that's really going to be the question because say what you want about the Dolphins offense and maybe all those guys are hurt, but it doesn't matter if you can't score points. It just doesn't matter if you can't score. And so, you know, you mentioned last year, they scored seven points down in Miami. Not going to get the job done, right? So, like, you have to be able to put some points on the board. I don't know if they're going to be able to. I hope that they can, but I don't know if they're going to be able to. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting because – Oh, first of all, Miami, we talked about the injuries. I didn't mention Javon Holland in there at all, who has a concussion. And as we know, that, that pretty much means he's going to be out on Sunday. And he's been yep. a guy who's given New England fits. He's oh, yeah. a playmaker for that defense. He's he had a pick six. Did Mack he have a pick and, six? He had a pick six in, in week two, didn't he? Did he have the pick six? Did they have, I don't think they scored on defense in that game. Right? Or maybe he, maybe he just intercepted uh, Mac. Maybe he was Howard was the one who got the pick, I think. But he's... How, uh, Holland is all over the field. He's caused picks no, before, thinking. and he hit. He's he's the one who had hit Mac at one point and given him a real nice shot in one of the okay. games. And yeah, yeah, he's he's a playmaker, and he's going to be out, so that helps. But it's funny you you watch the tape of this New England offense from Sunday, and in some ways they don't really look that much different than they had in the weeks before. The only difference is you know that some of the plays that were going for four yards in previous weeks they're getting to go for. 20 or 30 because yeah. guys are executing just a little bit better. And Max still made his fair share of mistakes. One of them, you know, he brings his eyes down on a blitz and just takes a sack. Well, they were still in field goal range and you still get points out of it. So right. you minimize some of the damage. He threw a ball right to a defender at one point, which was a, it was a really good play by Teron Johnson. That was on that, that drive. This is right before Kendrick Bourne fumbled. Yeah. They dropped it. And he had that play in there where he gets strip sacked and there was a defensive penalty that negated it. So Mac had still had a share of negative plays in there and you ended up with less disastrous results from them than we've seen in previous games. So can they, you know, make sure that happens? Can we, can his bad plays not be as bad? Can his good plays be slightly better? That's what we're going to have to see. And right. I know there's been a lot of comments in here about what is it about the new England offense that looked so much better we kind of talked about this on Sunday, but it's the three positions we've been complaining about the whole time. They got healthy at all at once. Yep. Cole Strange comes back. He's solid at left guard. Michael Wenu comes in. They put him at right tackle. Solid at it. No issues with him all game long. And City so at right guard better than Antonio Maffi. And then Demario Douglas, finally healthy. He starts. He's your starting slot guy for the whole game. And he looked really good. Yep. And just those three changes. And also, you know, Pharaoh Brown, shout out to him. Like the, the difference between this game and the Raiders game in some ways is Mac makes that one really good throw to Parker and he drops it. He makes a really good contested throw to Farrow Brown in this game and Brown catches it. It's things mm -hmm. like that. The guys around him stepping up. And I don't know if Farrow Brown is going to do it again. I don't know if the line, uh, the line was better. It still wasn't great. It was okay. Is okay going to get it done? Or is Philly or is Miami going to be able to sit on the underneath stuff? They didn't throw a single deep shot last Sunday, and if they do that again, I think Miami is going to start jumping stuff, and that's where you worry about a pick six again. So, I I agree with you on that. I mean, and that's the thing: like, get healthy, 
and that's what they're doing, right? And you have Pop. I think Pop's there to stay. He's there to stay. Oh, yeah. He should be there to stay. He's the ex- most explosive playmaker that they have offensively. Um, you know, so that's that's huge for them. And so let's get back to being competitive and, and let's go from there. Yeah. Right. And it's, it, yeah. And I think a lot, like we're going to learn, all right, it's not, I'm not going to rain on the DeMario Douglas parade here because I love pop, but it's a very different thing to be good for a stretch early in your rookie year and to continue that because defenses start to figure out what you're good at and your tendencies and, and, you know, and, and I like Douglas a lot. And I think he's the second best receiver in this offense behind Bourne. But what happens if Miami clues in on some stuff? Does he go from being looking very good to just kind of good or average? Right. Or can do they find something there? And, you know, that's, a, that's what we're going to find out. And this, I mean, a Miami secondary that's also so banged up right now. Cater Kohu, who's been playing a ton for them. I think he missed the last game. And... He's limited in practice. I think a lot of a lot of Holland's out. Howard is limited. Kohu is limited. Somebody else in that secondary is limited in practice. So they're going to be going through it a little bit too. And you know, these receivers aren't great, but if they can be average, you gotta you got an opportunity to show you can do this no two chance. games in a row. Exactly. It's, just, it's hard to it's hard to buy into it definitely happening until we see it happen twice in a row. And I'm not. Right. It still looks it still looks like the same Mac Jones to me. I think he's been the same in most of the games this season. He's still scared of the offensive line. He's not a guy who he's gonna create a ton of big plays. It's the receivers who are gonna make the big plays. They're gonna have to do it again Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so we'll see. We'll we'll see where it takes them. But I think I think Mac can do enough enough to put them in a position to win the game. And then it's all about can guy and look. They had that really nice end of the end of the game drive, right? Where they score a mm-hmm. touchdown. He made a really nice throw to Pop Douglas on third down, I believe. Yeah. And then throws the touchdown pass to Hunter Henry, which is great. But it starts off Gasicki. with a long because I uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh starts off with a long pass play to Ramondre Stevenson on a ball that was thrown behind the line of scrimmage, right? So like yeah. as nice of a drive as that was, it's not like Mac was slicing and dicing the defense up and down the field. It was one big play for Terramondre Stevenson, a really nice third down throw to Pop Douglas, and then the touchdown pass on him. Well, of course, he had the, the pass to uh, to Pop as well. That was that ended up being called pass interference or whatever, right? But nevertheless, right? Yeah. It's not like he was slicing and dicing the defense out there. They had some, they had some, you know, plays by the wide receivers yes. once they got open I think, to make big plays. Yeah. All right. Kendrick Bourne catch and run. Early on in the game, yep, uh, that was a big play, and you know the Bills bring a pressure. The line picks it up enough. Max sees the field, steps up, and hits him. And it's short pass goes for long yardage. You're going to need a lot of that, and the receivers are good enough to do it. Uh, you just you want to see it again. You want to see the line block like that again. You want to see Mac have that confidence again. Mac, you I know, mean, when I say he's the same guy, I don't mean that he's been equally good or bad in all of these games either. It's it's similar process. It's similar feel in the pocket. It's similar throws to his receivers. He's not like crazy. He's, it's not like he's becoming crazy inaccurate or crazy accurate in any of these games. He's making about the same level of, of throws in these games. It's just a level of comfort with the guys around him. And if he's comfortable and you know they protect him for another game and it goes from four, three or four plays where he looks uncomfortable to one or two right. and He's delivering the ball on time a little bit more. 
then you're going to see a lot more production out of it. Yep. And the other thing, too, you know, we saw them throw the ball short a ton last game. They can win doing that. Can they hit one over the top in this game now? Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, my goodness, that'd be really and nice. If, and if Miami's down to safety here, you know, I think they're they're looking for it. They're trying. It's not like they didn't try it last week. They were just content to take the underneath stuff. And you don't want Mac to bite off more than he can he can chew. I thought he did a really good job of dumping it off to the open guy quickly and letting him make a play. I think that was a good way of minimizing some of the mistakes we saw from him. Yeah. At some point, I think you want to see him see if he can take a shot. And that's not just on him. That's going to be on the receivers. That's the play callers. That's the tendency guys. That's can you get Miami into a spot where they're going to not have a safety deep on a play or they're going to have a cover one and you can get a guy going down the sideline and Max going to have time to make the throw. You're going to have to try to manufacture one of those opportunities a little bit. It's a team effort. It's not, it's not just Mac Jones's fault. They haven't gotten a deep, deep play. It's on a lot of different guys and they play better. They're going to have opportunities. hundred percent. Right. I mean, like, when has he had time to really get one of those throws down? And then not just that, but like, it feels to me like there's been a lot of miscommunications on there. I know we've talked about that a little bit. And I kind of, I think that, that some guys have ran the wrong routes at times um, and they've read it differently than Mac has read it. Now, again, I don't know if that's everybody. Right. And I don't know if that's Mac's fault. I don't know if that's the receiver's fault. I'm not sure who it is to blame for that, but for whatever reason, they're not seeing, um, they're not seeing the field the same way, you know? Yeah. And you know what? I'm just glad he's not going full Derek Carr and screaming at guys on the field. That that was I'm gonna tell you, at least when Mac is yelling at guys, it's typically when he's giving them chances and they're not making plays or guys are making dumb mistakes. Yeah. You got Derek Carr yelling at a guy who ran the correct rep on a play after he threw a pass out of bounds. So I don't We lost thirty four to nothing to that team. I mean it's 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 wild. Just horrifying that we lost so badly to that team. Well, and this is this is football any given Sunday for a reason. Right. The game sure. is so situational and so tendency dependent, and one or two plays can flip the entire right. thing. Yeah, and you know, the it's funny that we talk about that Saints game a lot, and there are like the the feeling after it all comes down to the pick six and the way everything collapsed after that. The thing is, what we don't mention is that the Patriots again kind of had some decent moments there, and they hit that big deep shot to Demario Douglas and got into the red zone, and he gets concussed. Yeah, and you miss the field goal right after, and that that kind of is what finally takes all the wind out of your sails because you lose the one guy. Patriots receiving core is not deep. They yeah. got one guy who can consistently beat man coverage, and that's Pop Douglas. They got another guy who does it a lot of the time and who's really good against the zone in Kendrick Bourne. That's that's it, plus the tight ends, plus scheme stuff, plus screens. That's what this offense is made out of right now. And I truthfully don't know how far that can take them. It's yeah. going to depend a lot on the consistency at which they execute those things and the way defenses scheme against it. Because all it takes is one defense saying, we're just going to play a very, very aggressive underneath against you the entire game and dare you to beat us over the top. And whether or not you beat them over the top in that scenario, in some ways, determines your season because it's going to determine how future teams are going to play you in those situations. For sure. Yeah, for sure. D- uh, Dick mentions uh, Derek's car, Derek's brother, David Carr, when talking about Mac. And I, I, we said the same thing here on the show that like, I was very worried about that. Um, I was very worried about, about him kind of developing what David Carr developed when he was in Houston, um, which is just being gun shy and, you know, being skittish almost. Right. And so, um, 
hopefully the offensive line can continue to play well and continue to play better. And we don't have to worry about that with Mac, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So, and I think you know, the other thing in all of this, what helped last time, you score in your first two possessions. You yep. play from ahead. It means you can use your RPOs, which I thought they were really, really yeah. good at executing last week. It means, I mean, they were able to run the ball well last week right from the start, which I think was big. Ramondre looked good. Zeke looked good. And they got some big, they got some big chunk plays off play action, which you can really only do situationally. They yep. were able to use motion a lot more to set stuff up than reveal stuff in the defense, which you can't do when you're playing from down 14 points because the defense doesn't care if you run when you're down by 14. That's points. correct. They're just play yep. the pass. And we're going to, and it's going to be the same story with this Patriots team all year long in that, and it always was going to be. You're going to have to execute well uh, right out of the gate. You're going to have to try to play with a lead and you're going to have to win the turnover battle. That's what yeah. pretty much every game for the rest of the way is going to come down to. I think they can w- beat or lose to any game, any team left on the schedule, depending on in some ways, you know, point differential turnover differential in the first quarter alone. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, and the other part of it for me is that I think that this game, and I don't know if it has a huge bearing on it, but the the trade deadline is next Tuesday, right? It's it's on Halloween. And I think that, you know, this game, the way that they play in this game may kind of determine what they're going to be this year. If you win this game and you're three and five, you're not trading anyone at the trade deadline because not with you schedule. feel like you have a chance to make the playoffs. You've beat the Bills, you've beaten the Dolphins, you've beaten the Jets, you beat everyone in your division already. And two, right? you can pick up two road divisional wins in there yes. too. So, so you feel like you can play with anybody. 100%. And so you say, all right, we got some winnable games coming up. Why are we moving on from anyone? If we can win these games, we can start stacking wins. And there's a realistic path to 10 and 7, right? But, but you know, it's not necessarily if you lose this game and you look bad. I, I think... I think there's a big difference between just losing this game. You lose the game, you lose the game. If you lose this game and you look bad, that's a situation where I think you can start to look at it and say, my God, like, we're like, no, no, well, we're yeah. done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, and even if you win the game too, because I think, you know, in some right. ways, the guy we've been, the guy who might be your, one of your most valuable trade guys at the deadline here is Kendrick Bourne. The guy with an expiring contract to, yep whether it's KC or any of these teams in the hunt who are looking for another guy in the receiving core would be a very valuable piece to have as part of that rotation. That said, if he keeps playing well in New England, he's a guy you're probably going to want to be part of this team next year. You know, he's good in the locker room. He's got chemistry with your quarterback. You know, you can play with him out there. And I think if, if you go down to Miami and the offense plays well and your passing game looks good, you're thinking, all right, Pop Douglas and Kendrick Bourne are going to be on this team next year, and you figure out who else is going to be there. And they go down there, and, well, they try the underneath stuff again, and Miami blankets it, and Bourne can't get separation. Then, all right, well, this is looking, you're feeling a little bit different about it, and you might be me trying to trade him. So this this game is huge. And, and Mitch, who, uh, thanks for all the comments in the chat, I'm loving it, uh, said, let's talk when we get to 500. I would love for that to be the case. Unfortunately, the trade deadline is before then. <laughs> right. I kinda, right. And that's, I kind of think the trade deadline should get pushed later because 
the the postseason more teams get into the postseason now and more teams are in contention for longer. Yeah. I feel like it's I, mean, I feel like you could almost push it back a full month and yeah, or at be least, okay with that. At least a week ten. You know what I mean? I, I think I think you could push it back to week ten. I, I think I think the idea was is that we're pushing it just past the halfway point of the season. But now yeah. you're playing another game. So you're not at the halfway point of the season anymore, right? And so, I mean, I guess week nine is the halfway point, but like, you understand what I'm saying, right? Is that like, if we push it after week 10, you give them two more weeks to kind of see what's going on. And like you said, the seventh team, I mean, I think, I think both of the last two years, a team that started out two and five made the playoffs, you know? So like, yeah, there, there is a situation where it looks like you're crappy to start the season and you go on a little bit of a run and you turn out to be a better team than you thought. And maybe you win a playoff game. And I don't think, I don't think either of those teams have won a playoff game yet, but that doesn't mean that they won't at some point. Yeah. I mean, look at baseball right now, Rangers yep. and, and diamondbacks They're in the, the world series. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody's got a shot. And honestly, I would, I would go week 12, you know, two thirds of the way through the season to say, all right, you know, two thirds. We know what this team is. We're either gearing mm. up for a home stretch or we're selling. I think that's a good spot. And it gets you through Thanksgiving there. I think usually it's either the week before or after Thanksgiving. So, yeah, I feel I feel like it's a good spot for it to be. I don't. I like it because it's a more active trade deadline. You know, if that's that's where it was, the Patriots would know very well where they are. Oh, you, yeah. It almost gives you all of November to make moves. When I wonder, the thing that I wonder is that. Do NFL teams want it that late? Do they feel like they need the seven or eight weeks to get the guy really going and understanding the offense or defense, depending on what they're talking about or, you know, on what side they're playing? I don't know that for sure, but, you know, I feel like that's part of the reason why. I mean, that's definitely the reason why you don't see quarterbacks traded midseason because there's too much going on. Right. Remember when the Vikings traded for Josh Freeman and then immediately started him on Monday Night Football <laughs> against the Giants and asked him to throw like 40 times? <laughs> well, how about Baker Mayfield last year for the Rams? Who, who killed it. Yeah, who ended up winning against against the Raiders. Baker, but can we talk, can we, I'm just going to mention this real quick and we can in a second segue this into our, our prop bets segment. Yes. But we yes. got Bill's Bucks Thursday Night Football, Baker Mayfield. Pretty the, interesting. The Bucks have looked competent. This yeah. year, and you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what Baker Mayfield's contract status is. I think he's a free agent after this year, and depending on what the Patriots are doing and where you're at with the coaches and where you're at with Mac Jones and everything, he's playing well enough that he looks like he's, you know, he's going to get a decent shot somewhere. I have to think the Bucks are going to draft a quarterback, so he might be looking for a new home again here. And uh, we know that Bel- Belichick liked him coming out too. That was yeah, that was were, something we heard. There were year. definitely reports about that. Yeah. So he's a guy, you know, if you're looking for even a veteran presence to just have in the locker room, he's a guy I could see being in New England. The Baker signed a one-year, four million dollar contract this year with Tampa, which is outrageously go, small. He'll get a little bit more money than that after you would the think. season. Yes, you would think. So yeah, um, looked, uh, looked decent. Yeah, it's interesting. So all right, let's segue that. In, let's segue that into the prop bets. Um, well, I did. Uh, I did have one, one more thing, thing to say before we do that. So I just this 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 has already died down, but uh, just to vent about this for a second. Yes, 
the Patriots win a game on Sunday, and it takes us until Tuesday <laughs> to start complaining again. Yeah. The the big story on Tuesday is that the team waived the fourth string quarterback and eighth <laughs> string wide receiver and sent him back to the practice squad. It's just, are we, based on the media coverage of that, it feels like many are asking to be miserable. I like Malik Cunningham as a developmental guy, but he's an undrafted free agent who yeah. had one good drive as a quarterback and like no catches as a receiver in the preseason, who played like three snaps in the game against the Raiders, didn't do anything. His lone snap there at quarterback on the read option early. He made the wrong play. This guy yeah. already passed through waivers. Like, I don't. A lot of shuffling at the bottom of the roster, and I yeah. didn't understand why that story got as much attention as it did. Well, I, I guess the real question was why did he get signed to the active roster in the first place? Uh, that was the, they had two. They already had two practice squad elevations they were using for that game. You can only so have two. Yeah. And if you want to do the whole emergency third quarterback thing, all he the guys involved be. have to be on the roster. True. I felt like they gave, they gave him a shot. He came up. He didn't play that well. They need the roster spot for other guys now, and they send him back to the practice squad. I mean, let's. I people got very excited about Malik Cunningham in the preseason. Guys, he's not that good. He's, I'm sorry, he's not that good. He's not. He's not. Listen, he can't catch the ball. He's not a wide receiver. That much I can tell you right now. Now maybe something will. Maybe something crazy will maybe happen. Next year. And he'll develop into something next year. But right now, he is not a wide receiver. I, I mean this he genuinely. He is no Trey Nixon. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and like, so he's not a wide receiver. And, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, you know, if he can turn into a quarterback. I think I I love the, the thought of him playing quarterback because he is yeah. that new age type of quarterback. I don't know how well he reads a defense. I just don't know if he can do it. His, right his first now. snap was a read option, which should be his bread and butter, and he made the wrong read on it. Right. So it's not it's yeah. not a great sign. Now again, it doesn't mean that he won't eventually yeah. turn into something down the road, but right now, nobody's interested in him right now. No one. And, and that showed uh, by him passing through waivers and not and no one had any interest in, and, in signing and, him. You know? And not just not just that. He went undrafted. Right. And then he passed through waivers, and he's been on the Patriots practice squad where anybody could have signed him off. Right. And then well, he played the game like, and didn't look that good. Well, yeah, you know what? You know what? If if they wave him again and he gets claimed, then I guess, you know, it happens. But I don't think I'm worried about somebody claiming Malik Cunningham after all the stuff we've seen. Well, and not just that, but then it's like, well, they paid him so much money when he was coming out under it. It's like, yeah, because they liked they liked, you know, his potential as an athlete, as potentially a quarterback, but also as an athlete and a guy that has elite athleticism. And I think you saw that in the preseason, but it's like, he's just not ready for any of that stuff. So, you know, it's, it is kind of a silly conversation. They cut someone else too. Who did they cut? Um, that people were flipping out about it. Cause they cut oh, it was Trey else. flowers. Cause Trey oh, flowers Trey was, flowers. if he stayed on the roster, they would have had to either activate him or have him be done for the season with his injury status. He hit, right right up to the buffer. So I think they're still shuffling things around and yeah. we might not know what this roster is actually going to look like until Saturday or Sunday. We know how the Patriots are, but I'm going to guess we see Jalen Rager signed to the active roster. We have to assume. And then probably 
uh, Malik Cunningham backfills him on the practice squad, which I think that signing was already announced, even though there isn't a spot on the practice squad. Yes, well, um, which tells me that that they probably are in the process of elevating Rager, and they just haven't like officially done it yet. Either that, they're cutting somebody from the practice squad. That's to also true. Too. That's yeah, also true. like they're gonna shuffle that around. Um, yeah. and like they might cut somebody for Trey Flowers. You might see somebody get IR'd. The guy I, I wonder about here too, Juju Smith Schuster, like still banged up in practice and didn't play last week. And I think it's kind of hard to have make an argument for him to be on the field after what we saw last week. Yeah. Uh, like, like I think Devontae Parker is clearly better than him at this point. I don't really think that's a question based on what we've seen. Like Parker can Parker has actual athleticism left and can make guys miss when he's yeah. out there. And Juju doesn't have that. And, He's a guy who I wonder yeah. if you can Foxborough flu him. Like if he's still banged up right now, can you put him on injured reserve and get that roster spot and you know figure out the rest later? Yeah, it's certainly possible. It's just tough. I mean, it's it that that one the the fire Belichick crowd is loudest about that one. And I don't blame them because it was a really bad signing. But it is what it is. Man, so yeah, all right, let's, he has let, no agility left. <laughs> no, God, it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. So all right, let's get into um Let's get into our prop bets. Look, my before we do, Miami, it's going to be a good game. Again, I, I am looking for the same thing I was looking for going into this week against the, against the Bills. Be competitive. Look like an actual football team and look as though you belong on the field with the Dolphins. That doesn't mean you're going to win. That doesn't mean I expect it. But, like, at least give them a run, right? See what – see that – or at least show – that you're a real NFL team. And if you can do that and you're in the game towards the end, you give yourself a chance to win. And that's exactly what happened in, in, in Buffalo. Buffalo made some bad mistakes. You forced them into making some, some of those mistakes and some of those they made on their own. Then you end up winning the game, right? And so who knows? Maybe the same thing happens in Miami. And maybe it doesn't. But at least if you look like a competitive team out there, we, we have something to, to cheer for, right? And, and we have something to be happy about. You know, and that's all I'm looking for. Yeah, and I think I think I want to know, kind of, based on what we saw last week, was that a blip? Did you get a one-time performance, or was this something we can actually build off of? Did they play better because guys got healthy, or did they play better because they played a banged-up Bills defense and just happened to all have a good game at the same time? Yeah. I want to I want to have reassurance that, especially the three guys we talked about, Strange, Owenu, and Pop Douglas, that they should be on this team and a part of this team's future next year. hundred percent. And, and also um, I question for you in the locker room after the game, loved, I loved peppers standing up there and talking. And then Matthew Slater, instead of breaking them down with the, all oh, yeah, which they've been doing for years, he did family on three. And I thought that that was, it was interesting I think the family thing, the uh, the oh yeah thing has gone on for a long, long time, and I love it. But I also love the fact that I think there was a lot of discussion about that this week. And there was a lot of discussion about nobody believes in us. Everyone's counted us out. The only people we have is us. Fight for each other. Fight for your brothers out there. You know, this is the family. You know, all of that stuff. And to see it to see it kind of come through, I thought, and come to fruition, not only in a good game, but a win, I think was huge. And so, yeah. um, and so I, I liked it. 
I do kind of hope they bring the Aya back at some point, but but I did like the fact that they kind of swerved a little bit um, and did that. And as Mitch said, maybe he's just maybe he's just a big Vin Diesel fan. I don't know. Well, and there's there's something about you know it's Bills 300th win and it's against yeah. the Bills and you know we're past the Tom Brady ceremony. It feels like we're kind of pushing into a new era with that. You know, silver pants back, and it's like all right, it it's a good time. For a new tradition, and I also think if you're going to start a new tradition, having a guy like Slater who's been around for so long be the guy to usher it in. It's not like, all right, it's a new leader and we're just doing something new. Right. It's a guy who's familiar with the old saying, hey, we're going to switch it up. Um, hopefully, hopefully we get to find out on Sunday if this we is a new thing it? or if that was just a one game thing. But um, yeah. if, if you're doing something new, Slater being the guy to usher it in is, is the way to go. I agree. I agree. All right. Let's get into the prop bets. Uh, for those of you that are new to the show, new to the program, uh, we do have a prop bet competition going on this year. Uh, Matt and I are picking two prop bets on FanDuel, of course, um, per week. And we're keeping track of those prop bets, who wins and who loses. And the loser uh, is going to have to run the Patriots conditioning test next uh, <laughs> next uh, summer. And it appears that I might be the one running the conditioning test. We'll see. But it appears that I might be because I am just so terrible at this. I am currently two and twelve. Uh, I went zero and two again last week. Just brutal, brutal for me. Uh, Matt went one and one again. Uh, you did not hit on the Evan Ingram anytime touchdown, but you did hit the Dolphins Eagles under fifty one and a half. I believe that game was forty one at halftime, and then there were seven points scored in the entire second half. Um, so. A real nice, a real nice dub by you there. Oh, that might have been the, that might have been the Chiefs. I'm thinking of. I, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Either way, it was, um, it was under 51 and a half. Real nice dub by you there. And so now you're six and eight, uh, which you have a big lead over me. Um. So yeah. So we'll we'll go from there. Now I I haven't done anything yet, but I think towards the end of the season, maybe maybe. Once we pass the midway point of the season, we're going to add a little wrinkle in there. We've talked about it a little bit. I think we're going to add the little wrinkle. It was your idea. I think it's a great idea. If you can tease whatever whatever the prop bet is, if you can get the plus sign high enough, it can be worth one and a half or even two points uh, I think, on the win scale. I think what we should do with this is pick one bet that's minus and one bet that's plus, and we can have a threshold plus one fifty, plus two hundred, something, something right. like that. One, one, one easy bet, one hard bet, and the hard bet could be worth a little bit more. Yeah, but I think the bet I, to me, if it's going to be worth more, it's got to be, it's got to be at least like plus three hundred, because like I like it. You know we, what I mean? We could do. Yeah, make it difficult. I like that. You know. So, right. do you want me to? Anyways, yeah. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you start with your first one? Yeah. All right. I know we're we're well over an hour here, so I'll go fast with mine. I'll just do both of mine right here. Uh, I got Bills Bucks Thursday night. I'm going to take the over. It's at 43 points right now, and then Titans Falcons on Sunday. The lines at 35 and a half points. What? Give me the under. We got Will Levis playing in that one. Yeah, we got two teams that have just been, you know, lots of grinded out defense, not great quarterback play. I th- I feel like in some ways that line is 
too high <laughs> because like that it. feels like a game that could easily be a 20 to three. That's a good point. It's a good point. Or it could be like a 13 to 10 or something crappy, like crappy game like that. I will yeah. say Will Levis, uh, my wife works with Will Levis's uncle, um, who is very excited that Will Levis is going to be getting an opportunity to play on Sunday. Of course, Mike Vrabel has said that he expects both of them to play, which I don't understand why, but you know, whatever. Uh, maybe he has a package from Malik, from Malik Wilson there or something like that. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. That's, that's a good one. I like those. I like those two. For my first one, I'm actually going to that Bills Bucks game as well. I'm going Dalton Kincaid over 40 and a half receiving yards. Dawson Knox out for the game. Out, I believe, for the foreseeable future. I don't know if he's been put on IR yet, but he is out for, for a few weeks. Um, so I'm thinking, I'm hoping that Dalton Kincaid steps in there for him and hits the over 40 and a half receiving yards. And I'm going Eagles Commanders. Over 43 and a half points uh, for the game. So I try to, you know, betting on some fun here. You know what I mean? Let's let's have let's have some fun games, some high scoring games. Dalton Kincaid putting up some points. Doesn't hurt that Dalton Kincaid's also my fantasy team. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> there you go. So so yeah, so those are my my two prop bets. I got some I got some work to do to catch up to you. It's still early, but I got some work yes. to do. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Uh, do you want me to give my college football game to watch this week? Yes, college football game to watch, and then we'll get into trivia, and then we'll finish with this week in sports history. Yes. So I got one this Saturday on on ABC, 3.30 p.m. Eastern. We got BYU at Texas. I'm looking at a bunch of Texas okay. recruits in this game. Mm-hmm. Quinn Ewers is their quarterback. He may or may not come out in this class, but he's a, a name to watch in the, the quarterback grouping. A pair of receivers, Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, who are borderline first-round talents right now. Tight end, Jatavian Sanders, who is really good and a big play threat. I think it's interesting. they got a running back, Jonathan Brooks, also at Texas. All a lot of prospects to watch. And BYU, we'll throw them a bone here too. Offensive tackle, Kingsley Suamatea, I think is how you say it. Um He's, he's a guy who's, you know, day two type prospect, a really big player for BYU. So some prospects to watch this Saturday if you're looking for a game to tune into. And it's also, it's up like this whole thing going on at Michigan, but Michigan's not even playing this week and they got prospects. Alabama's not even playing this week and they got prospects. Which yeah. makes it tough. Georgia, you know, a lot of prospects, but the top, top offensive guys, Brock Bowers, and he's out now. So tough weekend yeah. for college football. So this is... BYU Texas have a little fun with a national game. Saturday yours afternoon. is yours is so interesting because he's a guy that was like the consensus number one coming out of his mm-hmm. draft class, and he's just been so inconsistent. I mean, Spencer Rattler obviously is a similar case. Rattler, I think, has been better this year than yours has been, but it's been close, I guess. But yours just has the arm strength is outrageous. I mean, I remember watching videos of him as like a senior in high school, just at like seven on sevens. And he's just like flicking it and the ball's like flying. I mean, humming. Yeah. Um, and so he has a cannon for an arm. He's athletic enough. He's just so inconsistent and makes really bad decisions at times. But Josh Allen does the same thing. No, he's not Josh Allen, but Josh Allen does no. the same thing. And so, you know, are you willing to live with some of the bad decisions? If it's a guy that can, kind of create on his own and has a cannon for an arm. Uh, I don't know if the Patriots are, but maybe they will be. 
So, so he's an interesting, interesting guy there to watch. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Also, Simon's wondering if your chili rub will ship to New Zealand. Let me talk to my dad about that. <laughs> I uh, that is, that is a great question. I don't know if my dad has priced in the uh, the international shipment. So let me let me ask him a question, and uh, Simon, I will uh, I will get back to you on that one. Maybe maybe throw in just an international shipping charge. You know what I mean? A few extra. Yeah, bucks might, might be a little bit extra, but I, yeah. I can tell you, I can tell you the chili rub is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I used to I used to make chili for our chili contest at my high school, and people would show up, come in, grab a bowl of my dad's chili, drop a vote in for my dad's chili, and then leave. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So good. So good. I'm excited to try it. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, all right. You got your trivia question, and then we'll get to this week in post history, and then we'll get the hell out of you. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get any answers for last week's question, which I think is kind of fair, given the, the mental state we were all in. Yeah. Then. Things have changed. So the question was, who is the only there's there's three 90 yard passing plays in Patriots history. Two were Brady is the quarterback. The third Tony Eason was the quarterback and a 90 yard touchdown pass to Craig James week two in Chicago, 1985. The only points the Patriots scored in that game. Oh, that's my dad in the chat saying perhaps special order. We have an answer uh, for the chili rub. Um, so yeah, Tony Eason was the winner on that one. Nobody gets a prize. We're going to go a lot more recent. Craig James, how about, question. sorry to cut you off, Craig James, whose offensive line coach, the line in front of him at the Pony Express, <laughs> the coach of that offensive line, Dante Skarnakia. How about that? Love it. Hall of Famer right there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to go more recent with this week's trivia question. You're going to have to give two answers for this one. Ooh, I like that. Which two Patriots had pick sixes? In New England's win in Miami in 2019. It's the last win they had in that stadium. Two guys had pick sixes. I know we've we've talked quite a bit about I think both of these guys this mm-hmm. season. I'll, I'll let you know one one of the two players is still still playing in the NFL. The other one is not. He is retired. Yes. So we'll see. Yeah, see if uh, throw throw your answers in the chat and we'll see uh, see who gets this one. Um, you got to get both right in your comment for it. Should like we go it. on to this day like in sports it. history? Yes. Just a reminder for those of you that are answering. By the way, you can throw out more than one answer if you'd like. A reminder oh, yeah. for those of you that are answering. As Matt said, one is retired and one is still playing. So, therefore, if both of the guys on your list are, <laughs> are playing, playing, right, can't be right. If both of you guys are retired, it also can't be right. So yeah, uh, one's retired and one is playing. That's a good question. I like that one. I like that one. So all right, let's do. Uh, let's go to our final segment. My my favorite segment. Here we go. And now for something we think you'll really like. This week in sports history. All right, so I have two. Uh, I have two. Really like oh, wait a second. Somebody hit the loop button. It wasn't, though. It wasn't hit. Oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I didn't think it was hit. I clearly it was. Uh, my first one is from today, mm-hmm. which is October 25th, 1986. Game six, Red Sox. No, I'm just kidding. I can't do it. Nope. Can't do it. Nope. Cannot do it. Can't do it. Pat. Pat. <laughs> hey, listen. I didn't do it. Okay? I didn't do it. It wasn't my... <laughs> I saw it. I'm like, I have to mention it. 
I can't really talk about it, but I, you know. <laughs> um, Do you actually have two? I didn't, no, I don't. I only have one. Okay. Um, but right, that one, that was too good. Uh, so my my actual one though, October twenty sixth, nineteen fifty one, future world heavyweight boxing champion Rocky Marciano defeats former champion Joe Lewis by TKO in the eighth round at Madison Square Garden. Little uh, Brockton, Massachusetts, Rocky Marciano. Same same building where uh, the Celtics just defeated the Knicks. Although, right, baby. not not actually the same building because Madison Square Garden has moved three times. So that was an yeah. older iteration of MSG. Right. Same building in name. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, got a, I got a fun one here. I'm actually a little surprised you didn't pick this one. On this day in 1964, uh, Minnesota Vikings defensive end Jim Marshall had the wrong way run. Oh, Took a place 66 play. yards in the wrong direction for a safety. I remember reading about that in a book as a kid. They had some book that was like the greatest plays in sports history or something. And that was that was in there as so that's like the number one football blooper of all time. What I think. a play. Yeah. So good. And he's Hall of Fame defensive end. Too. Yeah. And just totally lost, completely lost his bearings. Completely That's something I would bearings. do if you put me on a football field. Well, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, like, and you're a defensive lineman. You're not used to having the ball in your hands. You know, you're just running. And then at that point, you're like, the, the end zone? I got to run for the end zone. <laughs> and no one's trying to stop me. <laughs> right, right. Oh, my goodness. That's hysterical. Yeah. I love it. That's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's going to do us do it for us tonight. Uh, 90 minute, 90, 90, 90 minute show here. Look at that one. So a lot more to talk about when the Patriots win games and when they lose them, I'll tell you that much. Quite is. That is quite true. Hopefully, uh, we are talking about a win on Sunday. That'd be awfully nice. We'll see what happens. But, uh, but anyway, so that's what we got. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming through everyone. Appreciate the chat as always. Uh, lots of good questions and comments as well. Um, a lot of good guesses out there too on the trivia question too. So, um, yeah. keep the guesses coming. And, uh, yeah, we'll, and we'll, we'll see announce we... the winner. Yeah, we'll announce the winner uh, probably after the game on Sunday during our yes, show. Yes, we'll announce the winner after the game, and then I think, I mean, we're getting we're getting close to the halfway point here. I think the, I think the week of the bye week. So after the Wednesday after the Colts Germany game, I think is when we'll announce the winner for the first half of the season, and then we'll have our winner for the second half of the season as well. So uh, giving away some some pro shop prizes, you know. Got got a lot of a lot of names in here eligible to win uh, win some prizes. Yep, so. I like it. I like it. A lot of Matt Minetto in here. Ah, uh, quite a few, quite a few of Matt. <laughs> Minetto, but, you know, what are you gonna do? So, uh, but anyways, all right. Well, thanks guys, we appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you on Sunday after the Patriots play down in Miami.